Good morning, good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you've tuned in to this edition of Hypnosis Week Live. Yes, it's me again by birth, Alex Williams-Smith, but better known to many of you as Jonathan Royal, the British bad boy of hypnosis and magicalguru.com. And I'm delighted to have another wonderful guest with me. He's known also under two names, uh, Raymond Roberts, with the name you will see linked to his training company, Illustrial Training. Details and links will be below this video or audio podcast. And when he's taking to the stage to entertain people with the power of the mind, you will see him linked to the name Ray Ronson. Uh, he hails from Wales, over, well, Wales in Wales. I was going to say Wales in United Kingdom, and that kind of screws up the whole geography thing. It's Wales in Wales. Um, so please welcome to the show. I'm going to just... I call him Ray Ronson, okay? Uh, Ray Ronson, how are you doing, mate? Hi, Alex, how are you? And uh, before we start, uh, before any notices, I'm feeling a bit self-conscious this morning. I knocked my tooth out two days ago, oh, and yeah. the dentist shut. <laughs> which, which if, if in the future, there's a good reason for that, why they're shut. It's because we're doing this on the 12th of June, 2020, and we haven't quite reopened properly yet in uh, England from the COVID lockdown nonsense. Yeah. So, Ray, the first question I ask everyone is, there was obviously a time when you weren't a hypnotherapist, you weren't a stage hypnotist. I know a bit of your background, but viewers and listeners don't know your journey. What was your life journey that brought you to where you are now? Well, uh, my original trade uh, was catering. I was a chef in All North right. Wales. Now, uh, that I didn't know. Oh, right. I started my apprenticeship when I was 16 until... Until I was 20. Now, but when I was 18, I had a, an appointment with a dentist for, for crowns on my front teeth. All right. And I was, I was a bit anxious. And uh, I'll always remember the day, Alex. It was the day John Lennon was shot. So that's, that, that's how I remember the day exactly. Right. And uh, I was a bit anxious about going to the dentist. And, but while I was there, my, my dentist mentioned that, that he'd just taken a, a hypnosis course with the... Uh, I think it was the British Dental Association. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, he asked me, could we try it? And I said, okay. And it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what I expected because uh, I was aware of everything. Uh, I didn't feel anxious, but I was aware of everything. And I only felt vibration in my mouth. And, and I thought I wasn't hypnotized. Uh -huh. I thought I was just going along with it, you know. And uh, I had three sessions with hypnosis. And, uh, and it, wow, it blew my mind. And I, I wanted to know everything about it ever since. And I, like, like the regular journey, I, I, I went into, into the second-hand bookshops in, in Colin Bay and, and San Didno and bought a few old, old books on it. And uh, I started practicing with my friends, who are the worst people you can use, I tell you, when, when, you be, when you're just starting out. And uh, I got to do friends and then at parties and things like that but my but my quantum leap was uh, a friend uh, who who was a mature student in connor's key invited me to stay with them in 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 the, in the student digs oh. and uh, they, they were uh, a mature student and obviously i was a lot older than them and uh, she said can you keep in your digs like in the uh, student halls and so, and i said yeah yeah and he said, oh, by the way, he's a hypnotist. So, okay, so I get there. I'm older than them. I'm a hypnotist. And they're all queuing up for it. 
and it got to a point where uh, they were queuing up outside the dormitory door. Excellent. And uh, that evening in, in the common room, I started doing impromptu stuff, stuff I'd seen other hypnotists do, and it went fantastic. And I thought, oh, I, I could do this. So uh, it took me time to develop an act and structure the act, but that's where it all started in a in a dentist and a student's a student's hall of residence in Connors Key. So did you do any convent? Um, I'm using this word loosely because we we know a lot of it's bollocks. But did you do any conventional training, or were you much like me, started off from literally just reading books, going doing it, and learning as it were through? Going oh, I was, I was uh, in the beginning all self-taught. Yeah, all, all, all self-taught. Because in those days, and, and going back into the sort of late 80s, there weren't many people around that, 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 that could train you. And I didn't even know where to look. But 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 now we're, uh, we're all over the place. Yeah, it certainly, well, it's a lot easier to find crap information but it's a lot easier if you <laughs> weed out the crap to find good stuff well, there is, I, on my journey there's more crap than gold nuggets yeah yeah so <laughs> who, who would you say when, when you were doing your study because I, I mean i know the answers to a lot of these questions because we spoke before and i've obviously um years <laughs> back done done training with illustrial training which if people go looking on my facebook they'll see the diplomas there in uh in, in my qualifications so i know a lot of the answers but the viewers and listeners don't necessarily um who who I know generally speaking, a lot of people going about, oh, Ericsson, you've got to study him and all that. Personally, I think Ericsson was a bit of a shit hypnotist. But who do you think are the people from, I'll say, history that people would be wise to study? Right. First first of all, you have to look at Dave Ellman. you got to. Because uh, in the beginning, uh, I, I was doing Ericksonian stuff. And I, I, I found, I don't know if it's like, if there's a, like a, just personality, but Dave Ellman suits me more than Ericsson. To me, for, for me, and a lot of people will disagree with this, Alex, Ericsson, to me, is far too slow, and it doesn't work for me. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I don't get why people find it so that they go oh it's wonderful you know if somebody's a bit resistant to a normal hypnotic induction i can just talk uh to them and uh, eventually you know they'll go into trance and i've got right great in theory how long does that take oh well sometimes it's taking me two or three hours hang on a minute um i like them in and out like you know yeah because uh Sometimes after shows, I get people come up to me because I, I get a lot of hypnotherapy bookings through shows and they ask me afterwards, can you deal with this, can you deal with that, can you deal with so-and-so? And they're pretty shocked when I say, oh, yes, I can. And uh, and, and, and then, it's, then they say, well, uh, when can you do it? And I say, we'll do it now. And that shocks a lot of people. What now? Now don't, don't you need all, all, the, all the music and the soft lights and all the rest of it? No, we'll do it now. And I think that shocks a lot of people. And 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 I think when they shock like that, that's also a, a bypass of the crystal faculty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You do, you do it on the spot. 
And one could argue, ironically, for the Ericksonian types watching or listening, oh. that you have just, they've spoken to you, you're just talking to them, you haven't done any formal hypnotic induction. So arguably, that is conversational hypnosis, which arguably is so-called Ericksonian, <laughs> yet it's a hell of a lot faster what you've just described. Yeah, but also, Alex, you mustn't forget that they've already seen a one-and-a-half-hour show. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the belief, your prestige and your expectation, yeah. your credibility is built up, yeah. But surely, yeah. with th- hypnotherapy in general, I would argue that, by the time they book a session with you, they should have seen your website or your social proof that other yes. clients have been helped. So it should be a similar situation as after seeing you perform. Yes, yes. And uh, a lot of hypnotherapists, I, I read online and read articles saying that uh, uh, stage hypnosis is a, uh, drags hypnotherapy down. But I, but I think that's, that, that's the core issue. Uh, if it wasn't for a stage hypnotist, there'd be no hypnotherapy at all. Because mm. remember, in the old days, before the 1952 Hypnotism Act, the hypnotists of old were, were, were curing people of certain ailments live on stage in theatres. Yeah. Do you know what? I honestly, I thought about it for several years, and it's just, I mean, I was getting rather close to actually going and doing the trial run and then all this bloody nonsense started. But I've been thinking that a, the only way to verbalise it for people watching or listening is a, a, a live, an ethical... Right, American evangelical preachers, they do all this nonsense, which is effectively hypnosis. But because they're presenting it in a different manner, a lot of it wears off because after time and there's a lot of unethical shit goes on but almost an ethical evangelical preachy type show but that's completely ethical where everyone knows it's hypnosis and suggestion where yes. it's improper and people come along I, I think that could probably work in this day and age probably yeah yeah but, um, but you're especially, right that's how it did start off especially with the upsurge of uh, alternative medicines and and the uh, Things like that these days, Reiki and uh, acupuncture and reflexology. All of which are just, well, I would argue, are, are largely just uh, just a form of focal point for harnessing people's beliefs and critical yeah. faculty bypass to trigger the oh, placebo. Way, I, I tried your EFT method and it bloody worked. <laughs> oh, for, for people who don't know what Ray's referring to, um, in a nutshell, uh, it's tapping three times on your so-called psychic third eye in the centre of the head. Three times just below where your belly button is, which is allegedly where the base chakra energy point is. Three times on the right shoulder, three on the left, three on the top lip, then humming happy birthday and doing that three times. Power of three, MLQA and all that kind of stuff. Um doing the sensory units of distress scale in advance to get an intensity high number on their problem. And at the end, the number's always much lower. And it's because of these carefully targeted meridian energy points. It's not, because it doesn't matter where you get them to tap. I'd use the same every time, EFT, TFT, it's all a bloody nonsense. And I just remember it as spectacles, testicles, wallet and watch. Can't believe I'm saying this. And they're paying me for it. Uh, mm, 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 mm. 
it's a nonsense. It's just a ritual. Um, and so, oh, right, so you've actually used it. I'm lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you have to clear yourself up on on the meridian lines. You have to explain to the to the client how it works. You see, you have to come up with a reason how it works, and and then you get them to do this, and it bloody works. I, I, to be honest, I've never gone to that. I, the, the, the nearest I know about meridians is it's Chinese energy nonsense. And the most I tell them is, imagine reflect, uh, not reflect, or the acupuncture, they put needles in your skin on, yeah. on the meridian points. Well, we're not going to pierce your skin. I don't do that. We're, we're going to stimulate those energy points by tapping roughly where an acupuncturist will put the needles. You know, that makes sense, yeah? Yeah, but you have, you have, you have to remember, you've got to say it with a straight face, though. Oh, yeah, well, that's the key. Is good. Yeah, exactly. You've got to look confident as the hypnotist, and then it'll work, and they just need a focal point. So, Alman, obviously, the starting point for people who, who maybe don't, who are just starting their journey is, uh, well, it used to be green cover, but I think the new edition's got a blue cover now. The green or blue covered book, yeah. Hypnotherapy. Yeah, because the, the first thing I get now, I go for an eye lock. Even even if I top that up with a, I, I get the eye lock. Even if I have, have to, sometimes you have to stretch a session out to give them value. And I, uh, sometimes I, I get the eye lock. Say in the second session or maybe a third, uh, I get the eye lock. Then I'll top it with a, a progressive relaxation. Because because you can you can make an element induction as long or as short as you like. Once, once you understand the structure of it, uh, the bypass of the critical faculty and the, uh, the achievement of selective thinking. Go on, explain, explain to the viewers, listeners, what, what, in case they don't know, which if, if you don't, you really do need to look into it. But there will be some people early on in the journey. Yes. What your explanation of the Alman induction is, because my, mine is going to be slightly different than yours, I, I suspect, in so much as it comes down to that. What I took from Alman's book is that I think he overlooked the power of the w one phrase, and it appears right. in the, of um, after he's told them about turning off the muscles in the parent control room of the mind, just proved the phrase, just proved to yourself that you've done that correctly. Putting yeah. all the onus on them so that if for some reason they were to open their eyes, it's apparently their fault. So Yes. Uh, what do we call it? Um, oh, flipping out of my mental block this morning. Uh, social compliance comes in. Yes that they feel that they have to prove to themselves that it's worked, but by proving to themselves it's worked so that they feel good and not a failure, the moment they consciously accept the fact that it has worked, they themselves are telling themselves they're in some special state. And the moment they're telling themselves consciously, they're believing arguably, and when they believe, you've got critical faculty bypass. Because uh, in, in some sessions, I actually... Uh demonstrate to the client what I expect them to do before we even start. And I call that an assessment to see how well you can respond to uh, instructions. And I, I, and I show them how to relax the eyelids. Ironically, it's a little bit like Ericsson again. Ericsson's rehearsal induction. Oh, bloody hell, don't mention him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's unconsciously rubbed off on me, but, uh, but, but like I said, I... 
I consciously quit using his methods years ago. Uh, it must have been the last time I actually used Ericsson's work in an actual session must be about 96. Right. Yeah. So what's the bulk of what you do with clients? I mean, well, I mean that in two regards. Obviously, one, what do you tend to find personally in your practice is what you get confronted with most or what do you advertise for? And what approach do you personally tend to use most for helping those clients that come to you? Well, uh, a lot of I, I deal with, with weight issues quite a lot. And, and it's either, it's either th- th- two reasons. Either it's, it's a habit or out of control, or there's an, an emotional element. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if, if I take it to be a, ha- a habit, and it's, and it's got worse and worse over time, uh, the direct approach is brilliant. Just direct uh, about, about healthy... I don't put them on a diet. I, I, I expect them to work out their own diets because I, I, I'm not a nutrition. So whatever diet they choose, I help them stick to it. Now, uh, if, if, if there's emotional issues, I, I, w- I will use hypnoanalysis. And, okay. and, that, and I, I, I reckon that is a jewel in the crown of hypnotherapy. OK, hypnoanalysis. Now, um, for... Chet was singing off the same hymn street for viewers, listeners at home, because it's it's not as popular these days in terms of uh, the majority of the training schools out there. It's about a, it kind of lost popularity. I'd say it was probably in the early early to mid nineties when. Um, in England, at least, when all oh, the satanic ritual abuse, child abuse cases were in the news and stuff, and there was all the allegations of false memory syndrome, and a number of these therapists that were implicated, it turned out, were doing, not necessarily with a hypnotic induction, but would effectively do, some of them were, were doing hypnoanalysis, free association yeah. type approaches so it kind of <clears throat> fell out of favor then but prior to that and as a side note for viewers and listeners if you research uk satanic sexual abuse in the 90s a lot of it was dismissed as nonsense and yet literally a handful of years ago now some several decade couple of decades on but only several years ago from from doing this um since the British television presenter Jimmy Savile's um, serial paedophile has passed away, and since his links with Myra Hindley and Ian Brady and a whole bunch of other sick, twisted individuals have been uncovered and pieced together, people have looked again at those things, and evidence has actually now come up that a lot of the so-called satanic ritual abuse cases with kids that were poo-pooed and dismissed and swept under the carpet in the early to mid 90s actually now are seen as being credible and that perhaps it wasn't false memory after all obviously there probably was an element of that but the point being that not all of it was so don't dismiss it all when when you're looking because there's witnesses that have come forward now claiming that the they witnessed Jimmy Savile doing satanic rituals, didn't they? 
mm. all, all cloaked up in candles and, and, and the lot. The whole world. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, that's a side note, but don't let that put you off looking yeah. into analysis. I'm actually saying there's stuff out there that would say it's completely going to impose false memories. And done wrong, it can, but that's where you learn properly. And your left heel training that Ray runs with his lovely wife, Maureen, do obviously have a high standard of ethics and make sure that people do things in a manner that where there wouldn't right. be false memory. Um, but can you explain to people kind of how hypnoanalysis works? Well, what we do is we look for the, the root cause of the issue. If it's a fear of spiders, we go back to the root cause. And not only the first time, but the second and the third. So, so, so the client can understand how, how, how it became a problem. How, how it became a sh the shock of the first uh, incident. Uh, the second incident, they're only reliving the emotional content of the first. So if you go back to the first, second, and third times they were frightened of the spider, they can see the links. And after that, after that, the reaction becomes a conditioned response. So we, we take them back to the first, second, and third, and we, we, we remove the emotional content of the memory. So, so, so they, they, can, they can recall the actual memory, which was below the level of conscious awareness, and get rid of the emotional content. And then we take them back to that first, second, third time without the emotional content and ask them how it feels. Mm -hmm. And whatever answer they give, we, we anchor that new feeling with the memory. Now, I'll tell you in advance, as I say to all guests, um, I play devil's advocate on this show sometimes because I try to ask the questions that people sat at home watching or listening might be shouting at the screen going, go on, ask this. It doesn't necessarily mean that because I ask something that I believe it. Quite often, in fact, uh, the opposite. Although with this one, there are elements... Let me throw this at you. I can see how with, with well, I can see because I've done it years ago. Years ago yeah. when I started out, I did a course with a guy called Neil French, the International oh, Association yeah. of Hypnoanalysis. He, he was uh, going in the, I, I remember coming across that name in the late 80s. Yeah, it, well, I believe it was about, it was the very early 80s when he started the International Association of Hypnoanalysts and then, Late 80s, early 90s is when it ended up with, it was massive. Uh, then he retired and sold it on to, I believe, a guy called, is it Robin Kelly? Or Rob, Rob, Rob or Rob, Rob. It's either Rob or Rod Kelly, who runs the International Association of Hypnoanalysts now, anyway. But I did that years ago. So that, I had that period where I did do uh, yeah. a fair bit of that. And yeah, we, we, I can see with some phobias, um, fast phobia cure works for most people, for example, uh, but for others, especially if they in their head are fixated on, as I, anyone who's watched my stuff, fixated on they want more attention because they want to feel special, then a longer approach definitely is beneficial. There's certain areas, well, that hypnoanalysis was Certainly the course I did, it was largely linked in with, I've got to say, the, the, the thought processes of sick mind fraud, kill your father, fuck your mother fame, that everything has a sexual cause uh, or 
you know, yeah. Oedipus complex and all this nonsense. And you know what? When I believed that, when I started out, it was amazing how the vast majority of clients I was attracting, it, it turned out that they'd been sexually abused or, or, or believed they had. But then when I stopped believing that and started going down that, I'm not going to mind rate these people, because I think sometimes getting people to relive stuff's unnecessary, then that didn't seem to occur and the results happen without that. It's, it's a bit of an oxymoron. I mean, th- what circumstances would you not use, or rather no circumstances? Uh, what, or In your case, uh, what areas would you not use hypnoanalysis in? Because I, I think there's certain areas where it's like mind rate, getting them to relive stuff when you don't need to. Well, uh, I, have had, I, ha- I have had calls in, in the past. Uh, I remember one uh, young girl rang me. I'm saying, can you hypnotize me? Uh, I, I want to try and try and recall something. Mm-hmm. And what it was was that her, her parents had split up, and and it wasn't amicable either. And and the, the mother had said to this young girl, you know, uh, when you were young, I I I suspected you, your father was sexually abusing you. Ah. Yeah, and I and I thought, well, I'm I'm not even going there. I'm not because I, I see people with what I what I call everyday problem issues. Because you, you probably know yourself, Alex. Uh, a lot of the times, people go go through the NHS services and they go from one specialist to another to another to another to another. And by the time they get to you, it's because somebody has just suggested, "Have you tried a hypnotist?" So in some cases, you 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 you're the last on on the road, yeah. And uh, I, I won't touch cases that 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 are people claim to be sexually abused. I don't even go there. What if? Because there are occasions. Well, I've had occasions where this happens. Um, what if the person? A prime example. We'll say weight loss. Uh, they come along now. Weight loss. I, I advocate where possible doing things in one session, but weight loss isn't a one or a one session thing because people can't see a result at the end of the hour and a half. Obviously they've got to allow some time to prove that they've stopped eating those sugary or fatty foods or that the habits have changed or they do more exercise or whatever. So, you know, with that, there is a few sessions involved. So there's a support system there for them and, and they feel helped and guided and motivated and whatnot. And if along that journey over say three, four weeks, um suddenly because of the safety uh that we, we as therapists create in the consulting room they feel safe and, and trusted and the rapport's been built up and that things that maybe were repressed that they weren't consciously aware of may resurface just because of that trust rapport level that's between the client and and the therapist the therapist hasn't done any digging there's no trying to get them to it, but it just naturally it becomes a natural uh, cathartic environment for the client where they may recall something traumatic like abuse. The well, uh, I, people, I, I've been asked that question a lot of times, and uh, we're saying, what happens if it, if if a 
spontaneous abuse comes up. Do you know what? Of all the 30 years I've been doing this, that's never happened once regarding sexual abuse. Not once. I'll tell you, I'll give you an example where it did happen, uh, but nothing to do with sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. A, a guy came to me for stopping smoking. And we sat, I sat him in my chair and we're having a conversation. And his eyes start welling up. And uh, oh, I forgot to mention that when he came into the office, he was hobbling on a stick. Okay. Sat down in the chair and he, he was going on about the smoke. His eyes were, were welling up. And he said, well, my, my smoking's increased since, since the accident. So he tells you that he was down, down Barry Docks in his car with his little girl in the, in the front seat or the back seat. And a lot hit him. And uh, his daughter has, has to be pulled out by a passerby. Anyway, for hang on a minute, he's, he's come to smoking, but obviously this this is uh, affecting him. So my first session was I, I did it with his consent. We investigated uh, the motion accident, and that and what was what he recalled. There's a difference between suppressed emotions and and what's known what Elman said below the level of conscious awareness. Things that are, are below the level of conscious awareness aren't repressed. Repression is, is a different thing altogether. Mm-hmm. It's when uh, the memories push right back into the mind that the mind creates an amnesia. But below the level of conscious awareness is this: uh, it, it's the people aren't aware at that moment of the reason why they fight the spiders or whatever. So anyway, what he recalls is. He recalled the actual accident as well, and 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 when I when I get people re- releasing emotional content, I always have them release it through any part of their body. Anyway, this guy, the emotional content of the accident left his leg. Anyway, after 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 the session. When his eyes were open, I said, can, can you stand up for me? And he, he stood up without thinking. I said, can you come over here? And he, and he walked over without his stick. Anyway, he came, he comes back the next week. I said, what sort of week have you had? He said, oh, I've been great. Uh, I've been I've been able to watch my daughter do this and do that and do the other thing. But my wife told me to bring me stick just in case. Negative suggestion there. Yeah, she said, just in case. Now I thought, hang on, aren't people supposed to be, uh, you know, relieved that they're they're not suffering anymore? But but that that incident made me think about the people that uh, they come for relief, but you know they uh, one part of them wants to be relieved, yeah, and another part of them knows, shit, I'm going to lose all my benefits now. Yeah, secondary gain. Yeah. Yeah. So they they create the life for themselves with the. Uh, they, they, they do nothing all day. They claim the benefits. I'm not saying everybody, but if, if, if they were, I wouldn't say cured, but relieved of certain symptoms, they'd lose the benefits. Mm. So this, this guy was, was, was carrying on using a stick because his wife had said, just in case. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, that's the only time where a spontaneous memory or emotion has popped up. Uh, well, uh, 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 
like I say, that's an example of a time it popped up, but it's never happened with sexual abuse ever. Right, interesting. But, so, uh, um, uh, which leads me to think: um, Are these people just asking hypothetical questions, playing devil's advocate? Mm. What if? What if? Because it's never happened to me, Alex. Well, certainly with the Neil French approach, to be honest, uh, no disrespect to Neil French because, you know, he's, he, he taught a lot of people and they've helped a lot of people, but it w- was heavily of the mindset that that very prevalent is the sick mind fraud, kill your father, fuck your mother, and all these, you yeah, know, easy, it- the electric complex and all that nonsense. I, I, I knew a hypnotherapist, I'm not going to say where. Uh, but his approach was, and I, I spoke, I, I spoke to a few clients of his, and they, and they all said that his conclusion was that the issue started with the sexual abuse from the mother or the father. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it just goes to show, doesn't it? It's all about the belief system inside the the, the, the therapist to a degree, because I've also discovered using hypnoanalysis that. Uh, the root cause of some people's fears of phobias, looking back at it now, it wasn't traumatic to us, but to them at the time it was. Mm. It wasn't a big trauma, but there was a, enough done or felt for it to be, 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 become a problem over the years. Yeah, well, it'd be like you said before, things become compounded. What was a little problem next time is kind of the anticipation of, oh, no, it's going to happen again, up the level, and so it goes till it's... And, uh, I'll tell you about the most unusual case I had. I'll always remember this one. Uh, a young girl in the mid-20s came to me in my office in Canton and said, uh, I've got this terrible fear, and I don't know why, of the elephant man. Okay. Oh, as in uh, John Merrick, the film, yeah. if anyone doesn't yeah. know, search on YouTube. And uh, she says, I don't know why, don't know why, but as I get older, it's getting worse. It's embarrassing. I, I don't know where it's come from. Hang on a minute. I'm not being funny, but isn't that literally one of those that he's dead? You're not going to bump into him. Don't watch the film. What? I don't, but, <laughs> you know. Because and we, we, we did a hit analysis and the very first time it happened, she was a small, very small child, and her older brothers asked the mother, can we watch the film, The Elephant Man, can we watch it on, on TV? And the mother said, no, no, it's scary. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the next thing she recalled, she, she, she'd woken up, the room was dark, and the television was flickering, and the film was on. And And, and that was... I wouldn't say a repressed memory, but below the level of conscious awareness. Mm. And, and that was it. But that was still on some level causing her, what, stress, anxiety? But, but what? Yeah. Well, I'm sure it can be so. From what I recall, Alman. Um, we keep using the term hypnoanalysis, and 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 that was the term used by Neil French. But I would say that Almond's was a slightly more, even with several sessions, it was, it was still 
more rapid. Yes. Um, and without, I don't know what what way best describe this. It might say, without implanting false memories, without guiding people, it was still, I would say, more direct than free association of the yes. Freud style. Just with hypnosis can be done without without the client telling you the reason. Um, or contemporary, yeah? Yeah, because as long as they know what's happening, you don't need to know. All because, right, give us an example. How would you go about doing that then? Yeah, uh, I'd put them into somnambulism and I, I'd, I'd bring up a recent... Uh, a recent time when the problem bothered them, and then I, I would I would amplify the emotion, suggest that that when when I snap my fingers, you you'll very slightly feel this feeling you felt then very slightly one two three snap my fingers do you feel that? And most time they say yes, so you amplify it okay twice as strong, you feel that yes yes. And then, you, and then you use Watkins Effects Bridge to take them back to the very first time they had that feeling. Then, then you ask them, where, where do you see yourself, indoors or outdoors? Now, it, it, they don't need to tell you what they're experiencing as long as they know. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then once, once they've established where they are, you go to the second time. And I always... The way I suggest it, because when I take them back to the first, second, or third, I don't actually say, now when I snap my fingers, you you remember the very first time it happened, or, or or remember the very first time you had this feeling. I don't tell them that they'll remember the first time, because the critical faculty will jump in then and, and they'll think, oh shit, when was the first time? Was it this time or that time? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. The way I phrase it is, uh, in a moment, I'm going to snap my fingers. And when I snap my fingers, your mind will take you back to another time, another place. We don't know where or when yet until I snap my fingers. But you but you you will feel something. And whatever that something is, whatever it is, that is the very first time it occurred. And just say the first thing that jumps into just say the first thing that comes into your head. Mm -hmm. Because that, that will bypass the critical faculty. If you just said go back to the first time it happened, like, oh shit, when was that? Was it was it here? Was it there? Shit, oh, and then and they'll get they'll get confused and say, oh, I can't remember. Yeah, because um, I've always thought, you know, a lot of the that's where I see another difference between Alman hypnoanalysis and I'm going to refer to it as Freudian free analysis. Sort of, there's a differentiation. Think about it, Alex. Uh, the Freudian analyst has already come to the conclusion beforehand that it's uh, it's an underlying sexual issue. He's Generally speaking, yeah, sadly. Uh, yeah, which is a massive difference. That's why I say if you're going to look into this, you're best off going the Dave Alman route. Um, far safer for the client and, 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 and quicker. Um, do you think, because personally, I think that as long as the person consciously, genuinely, sincerely believes 
um, that they've, in this context, uncovered the root cause, dealt with it, and therefore, jolly good, I can move on, that then that is the outcome they will get. But there's people who would argue, well, no, they've definitely got to find the root cause. My point being that people can think or feel that this is what was the first time something happened. Yes. But it might not actually be. Now, there's people out there who would argue you've got to keep doing session after session until they remember something that is like, oh, I can't bloody believe that I'd forgotten about that. And they get all very emotional, the catharsis and all this, that, the other. Whereas I think if you go through the process, especially using the phraseology such as the example you gave us, that they can effectively fill in the blanks without having been guided or, you know, that if they come up with something and it might not be the first time it happened, but they believe it was. Funny you mention that because um, when I interview clients, I ask them, uh, when's the first time you think this happened? Mm. And some some clients I can't remember, and some clients will say, oh, well, yes, it was this time or that time. And in, in a lot of cases, what they believe to be the first time will either be the second or even the third time. Right. Because that, that's, that's why the problem is taking hold, because the root cause is below the level of conscious awareness. And because of that, they can't consciously rationalise their problem. So if, if they could consciously rationalise it, they, they wouldn't need to come to see us. They would resolve it themselves. The, um, I certainly agree with you to, to a large degree with some people, because as you probably know, I, I, I'm of a, to some controversial opinion that the vast majority of people who go and see uh, a hypnotherapist, mind therapist, call, call us whatever you will, have, and they will never admit it, but I think that on some deep level, what therapists refer to as the client's got to be ready for change is actually a case of a situation where the client's got to have actually deep down realised that they've got to start taking responsibility for the fucking selves and do something about it for themselves. But if they did that, then finger of blame could be pointed at them by the family and friends as, why didn't you do it sooner? But if they yeah. go and see us as a therapist, they can leave all the baggage behind in the office, go through the important seeming ritualistic process, and then the family and friends, when they say, oh, you've stopped smoking or whatever, why haven't you done it sooner? They can say, well, because I hadn't found ray roberts i hadn't found this therapist I, I and now that someone recommended them to me i've been able to leave all that stuff behind so that they can't get blamed for not having got off their ass and done it sooner yeah i i, I, I quite agree with that 100 so um, that's not to take anything away from alman because obviously you know incredibly you've got to have some important seeming ritualistic process and his uh, are certainly preferable to the Freudian style. Oh stuff. God, yeah. But don't forget, Freudian mostly only saw rich uh, neurotic women, didn't he? Well, so so the history books show us, and yeah, that in itself is uh, well, yeah, slightly 
arguably elements of perversion for, as well. For years, years by the sounds of it. Yeah. So, so look, yeah. we, we, we've talked a bit about therapy and stuff. Uh, another large element of your life has been uh, stage stage hypnosis, entertainment hypnosis, yeah. um, demonstrational hypnosis. Call it yes. what you will for viewers at home, depending on what country you're in. How how did that come? I mean, why why both? Because some people, I'm not saying shouldn't do both, because obviously I do. Uh, and as you said before, the vast majority of um, hypnotherapists only in business could a stage hypnotist. And Dave yes. Alman was a stage hypnotist. Or yes. McGill was a stage hypnotist. Yes. Uh, Gil Boyne was a stage hypnotist. Richard Bandler arguably was a stage hypnotist initially <laughs> with what is that? You look at a lot of the leading training names and they were stage hypnotists, even if they're not still doing that now. Yeah. What what led you into the stage look? It, it, it is somewhat different than seeing somebody one to one, isn't it? Yeah, because uh, I. I've always come from a, a musical. I've come from a musical family, a musical background. I've sang in choirs. I've sang solo. So I was used to being on the stage, and I, mm-hmm. and I, I still love the feeling, you know, <clears throat> the, the adrenaline rush. I still love that, and uh, I just sort of slid into it really. Once I'd done a few demonstrations at the uh, student in the students' common room that night in Connor's Key, I decided. I thought, yeah, well, yeah, I could do this, and, and I, I structured an act. And and funny enough, uh, I, I used to go out with my friend who's a keyboard player, and uh, I, I made him. I say, don't book me. Only book me at, outside a radius of fifty miles from where I live, because I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell me friends or nothing. Ah, right. So you wanted to make sure the chances of having people in the audience that knew you were minimal. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's, I, I remember uh, my cousin works for Radio 5 Live. And I remember in, in about 94, 95, there was a bit of a con- con- controversy uh, regarding, uh, you probably know him, I'm, I'm not going to mention any names. Uh, he, he, he was sued by a certain person up your way. And uh, it made right. national news. I, I will mention names because the fact is it's out there. If you did the year, if you search Google for the year and stage hypnotist UK legal claim, you'll come up with um, Phil Damon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that case is going on. And uh, in, in the newsroom in, on, in Radio 5, my cousin just mentioned that, uh, oh, that they wanted to grab a hypnotist to speak to on the telephone. He goes, oh, my, uh, my cousin's a hypnotist. So they rang me. She rang me in my work and I gave an interview and uh, my boss uh, on, on his way home at five o'clock just happened to be listening to Radio 5 and he recognised my voice. So that, that's how it all came out. Uh, but yeah, uh, <coughs> I sort of stumbled into it and, and I just started, I structured a show, uh, did a few in the local pubs and, and it got went from there. But my big quantum leap after Connor's Key was uh, I decided to give up my job in North Wales, give up the flat, everything. Because uh, I saw an advert in the stage 
that uh, blue coat entertainers we wanted down at Barry Island Resort. That's like for people in America, you have Variety, uh, which yes. is the showbiz publication. It's it's Britain's version of the stage. It's still going. The stage, yeah. I just you've got to order it if you want. You, you, it's hard to go in the high street and buy a copy. You've got to either have it sent to your house, I think, or subscribe to the online version. Anyway, I saw an advert in the stage for Buco Entertainers at Barrier Resort, and I just mentioned I had an act, stage hypnosis act, and I got, I got the job without even an audition. No right, okay. I went down there uh, two weeks before before the resort opened, and I I did my I did my show for the staff, mm-hmm. and the entertainment managers right, oh that's good, uh, and they they put they, they they put me on three times a week. In three different venues, and I was in, on a, on a Monday night. I was in a, like a like a, a lounge bar. On on a Wednesday night, I was in a venue, a fifteen hundred seater cabaret venue. Nice. And, and on another night, I was in a two thousand seater theatre. Nice. Yeah, and and I went from doing little. Mess night in parties to doing that, and I had my own lighting crew, sound crew, a lot, and 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 that took virtually that 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 summer season virtually turned me into a pro because I I was I I, I, I was doing that for massive audiences. Nice, which just so I, ended up, I ended up staying in South Wales, so my sort of patch is now Wales in the southwest. Cool. For people watching or listening who are in America, uh, especially some other countries, this will apply to as well. I just I just want to uh, mention two things. Number one, you may be in, in America, especially and some other countries, the opportunities for stage hypnotists are a lot greater than they are in England. So to put it in perspective, to get the opportunity to be doing uh you know a 1500 seat or 2000 seat venue in england is far less likely uh than it is for somebody who is in america so it is a much bigger deal career wise and and getting experience wise there there is a, a, a massive difference in in over here you know, um, there's more hypnotists in South Wales than any other part of the country. <laughs> what you mean, geographically living wise? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I I live about five minutes drive from Hugh Lennon. All right, yeah. Yeah, good friends, me and Hugh. Uh, oh, that reminds you, I have to ring them up uh, now uh, to see how he's getting on. Hugh Lennon, he, for anyone who doesn't know, um, I'd be surprised if you didn't, but if you type in Hugh Lennon and Hypno Dog, Oscar the Hypno Dog into Google, you will yeah. come up with videos and stuff. He's, I'm not exactly sure of uh, what relative, but um, niece maybe, whatever, but there's now a, a, a lady called Christina, she's using the stage name, right. Christina Lennon who is doing the Hypno Dog branding, I believe, with Hugh's permission. Uh, I believe she's a family member. Can't pronounce the real family name. It's 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 not English anyway. I, I can't remember it. 
<laughs> but yeah, because um, you you got you got um, Hugh one of his Oscars, didn't you? I recall the story. Yeah, um, the original Oscar died, and and we, and we uh, I thought I, I, I'll get Hugh another Labrador because I uh, Hugh was sort of in between here and Leeds, and I, I rang up some animal shelter or somewhere asking if they had a black Labrador. And they rang back and said, yeah, there's a guy in, I think it's a Triforis or somewhere. He, he had to get rid of his black Labrador because the baby was allergic to it or something. Mm. And uh, I, I got it for him. I, 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 I had to meet Hugh in the services and give him this dog, yeah? Anyway, this dog says I've been nuts, yeah? <laughs> and we left him in our car, went to the, into the services, and the, and the alarm went off and the car turned around and the car was rocking. Oh no! The dog was going nuts. So Oscar was very laid back. He was very quiet, and Murphy was com- the complete opposite. He was absolutely nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. But uh, huge to take Murphy on the stage, and and uh, in the end, I don't think he, uh, it, it, his te- his attention was used to be distracted all over the place. Yeah, and oh, talk about talk about belief. I remember. Yeah. Uh, with the original Hitler dog, uh, I went to see Hugh at Newport University, uh, Newport, South Wales, to anybody watching in the United States. And uh, he brought the Hitler dog on and he, he did his bit. But after the show, Hugh let the dog roam around in the audience. And the dog's roaming around and there's people straggling. And Hugh's attention was called to a lady sitting in the, in, in sort of in the middle, in the middle of the uh, of the aisle. And what it was, uh, Oscar came up to her and she started stroking him and she actually went into hypnosis. And and that was, I, and, and that's the power of belief. Because mm. obviously the, the dog can't hypnotise, a dog can't hypnotise people, but her her belief that it could, so when, when she looked at him in the eyes, she just went. Uh, and Hugh had to come over and sort of get her out. Now, I was disappointed. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know if I've never seen you live, to be honest, but I was disappointed when certainly with Christina Lennon. No, no, no offence to Christine, but I was disappointed when I discovered that uh, the dog wasn't used as part of the induction process. It was brought on later in the show when yes. effectively they've already got a post hypnotic suggestion, which may have been said off mic, that they'll react to the bloody dog. He was very clever because Hypno Dog came on at the second half, at the beginning of the second half of the show. Right. And Hugh, Hugh used to tell the audience a story about how he found Hypno Dog and all the rest of it. So based so at an unconscious level, when the when the person knelt down in front of Oscar, they sort of unconsciously knew what to do right because yeah metaphorically the story put it in the red he'd tell a story about uh, about how he found the dog and how how he how he found that the dog could stare and all that and what and uh, the effect the stare had on people and 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 then and then he'd bring them out one by one put them on their knees they'd look at the dog's eyes and they'd keel over. But the last one, the last one in the row, if this is really funny, because Oscar's so soft, uh, <laughs> to tell them, call his name, call his name, they'd shout Oscar, and he'd slowly turn his head, 
like that. Look at them, they're just rough. It, it was very cleverly done, Thanks. but you're right. Uh, on Britain's Got Talent, they didn't show that the dog was not part of the induction. Mm. So uh, this is this is my this is my belief. I don't know if it's true, but this is my belief: is that uh, the volunteers on Britain's Got Talent had already been conditioned. Of course they had. I will categorically. I don't know that for a fact, but I categorically. Another hypnotist on. Volunteers were not conditioned. Yeah. It's whether they like you or not. Um, yeah, there was there have been hypnotists on there where they don't get help because they don't want to use them in the publicity. And then there's those that they're going to use as part of the story. Hence, oh dear, Simon Cowell's fallen under the dog's trance, which was yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, great publicity, which is something I'm going to segue into in a minute. Um, Fantastic. But yeah, I mean the fact is. It, when there's television, the cost of making TV programs, you could. The fact is, you could go out cold with balls of steel, go out cold in front of an audience, tell them that staring at the dog will hypnotise them, and as long as your convictions are enough, the publicity is right. A percentage of people would go under. That could be the induction, let alone a post hypnotic. So for television, show. I did a pilot show for a TV company, uh, and they wanted to use a hypnotist. And and they they got me. I, I, I don't want to mention any names. They got me, and uh, I, I had to hypnotize a certain person, and and a panel had to uh, guess which one of the people still hypnotized. And I, I went in there and did it cold. Oh, this this would be the show that we all got contacted about then. Yeah, we spoke about this before, where yeah. ultimately. The individual who ended up on the television show, whose name I won't even mention because well, they don't deserve the publicity, because what I hadn't I, even hypnotised them, had they? <laughs> well, this this certain person uh, I won't mention. I'm, I've got no animosity against him at all whatsoever. When it came to the final shoot, they found out he didn't have the proper insurance for it, mm. so they were rushing around, weren't they? To get somebody who, who was insured, um, uh, I, after I did it all, all cold, uh, they asked me about. Well, you know, if if this ever, the producer asked me if this ever happens again, and we need a hypnotist, and what can we do? And I told them what to do, and and, and you sussed it. I, I didn't want to say anything when it first came out in the blog, but you sussed it straight away. How I, I, I did it. Because I told the producers that you get in touch with, with these casting agencies and ask for people that 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 want to be hypnotised. Mm. You, you don't tell the hypnotist you've done it. You, 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 you only tell the hypnotist you, you've got five volunteers that one that, that that'll do anything to get on the telly. Yeah, but the truth is the people would have done it anyway because they wanted the fifteen minutes of fame. I told him, I said, if you want to do it without any insurance or you get or you get into a fix, you, uh, you go to a casting agency, get a load of people that want to be hypnotised, tell them to, and and they must act as if they are hypnotised. Mm-hmm. It's act as if, and you, and you don't 
you don't tell them that the hypnotist doesn't know, and you don't tell the hypnotist that you've been to a casting agency, uh, and you sussed it straight away. I remember thinking, yeah, that's what I said, but I didn't say anything at the time. <laughs> well, not going to mention names, but I'll tell you what, isn't it ironic that the only odd man out is the hypnotist that thought he'd hypnotise people when he bloody well hadn't? Yes. But see, that's what I told him to do, yeah? But that's that's what that's what it looked as if it did. I don't know for sure if they actually did it, but that's as soon as I saw it, I thought, yeah, based they... on based on what my dealings with them and Rob Temple also was contacted by them and yeah, pretty much um the hypnotist who was on the screen would obviously argue to the hilt that that isn't what happened because they'll they would relate how backstage they'd gone through all the suggestibility testing and inductions. But the yeah. fact is the people that were there that were having that done on them uh, were people who had come through the route that Ray's just said and ultimately would have gone on screen and immediately acted the way that was required because they were getting the 15 minutes of fame and their travel expenses. And I'm doing that because they, they have a wonderful way of paying people that's not traceable. You yeah. Know? You get, um, they don't class it as a fee because then obviously you'd be paying a stooge and, and they don't want any links of that, but they can compensate you for loss of earnings because being there uh, yeah. as a member of the public, volunteering means that you've lost out on potentially going, if you're a gardener, doing somebody's garden and earning money. So they're compensating you for loss of earnings. They're not paying you to play along as if on a TV show. Because uh, I, was, I was, do you remember that, uh, show back in the room oh god what a pile of shite fundamentally flawed because how can you before you relay the fundamental flaw of this for anyone who hasn't seen it although in different countries it's got different names but if you type in uh you're back in the room in youtube you'll find it presented by keith barry no offense to keith um but if i'd have been keith offered that show I would genuinely, honestly, and sincerely said, I'm not doing it in the manner which you want it doing. I'll do it if one fundamental fuck-up is removed. But that fundamental fuck-up would have meant the show wouldn't work either because the premise was it's a game show. They do things under hypnosis, ultimately end up in a final where, for example, one side of the stage, there's a load of, say, tennis balls in a bucket say 500 of them, and they've got to get as many of these tennis balls from this side of the stage to the other side of the stage into the other bucket. And for every tennis ball they get, they get a certain amount of money up to a maximum. Okay, that's the theory. And the idea is these people are apparently genuinely hypnotized. And it's suggested to them that when the hypnotist coughs, they'll get an electric shock, for example. So they'll drop the balls. Uh, or that when something else, another trigger is given that their floor becomes slippy and they'll fall over. All manner of things are done there. And the theory is that that comedically means that they will drop the balls and not be able to get them in the bucket the other side. But here's the fundamental flaw. They always won money because they always kept hold of a reasonable number of balls, meaning that they weren't fully reacting to the hypnotist suggestion. Thus, it came across as being completely bullshit and fake, which sadly it was because there's pretty much 
98% of the contestants on the British show I researched and found them as um, being actors, glamour models, and and yeah, basically uh, the category uh, casting, was, like you said. I was told that uh, some people had to audition about two or three times to get on it. Yeah, they did. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that, that just... There was no makes... hypnosis involved in that show whatsoever. It's sad. Um, I mean, what do you think of hypnosis on TV? I I think, you know, since I don't think we've had a decent hypnosis show on television, really decent, since uh, Paul McKenna in England. Yeah, I I, I would agree there. Um, Don't get me on For anyone watching who's going, no, what about Darren Brown and, and things like The Assassin and that? Yes. Hypnosis was used in that Darren Brown show, in certain elements and in his other shows, but I mean comedy stage hypnosis. Darren, yes, does use hypnosis in certain things and he does it wonderfully well, the way he presents it, but that's not comedy stage hypnosis, which is the context of uh, what I'm saying. A good old fashioned stage hypnosis show. Yeah. I mean, do do you think that could ever work again? Because I, I think. In this day and age of reality TV shows where people do the most extreme things anyway for the 15 minutes of fame, I think that that fundamentally makes stage hypnosis redundant for television. Well, I mean, what most people believe, and it's that, it's that belief that keeps the live stage of alive, is that uh, a lot of people still believe it's a mystic power. Hmm. And and that's what makes it funny for them. Oh God, the hypnotist made them do that. I mean, arguably there are ways to make people do things. We know we know that hypnosis as it's called doesn't exist as such, it's just suggestion. But once you get people into a context where the people watching believe that that person is hypnotized because of the way they are acting because they're fulfilling the expectation and uh, what's expected and what they've been instructed once they've done various simple routines they they can reach a point where they can't really back out because they know they would look a fucking idiot for having done the other stuff so they kind of you could get them to do anything uh i've you can, the, I'll rephrase that. You can get them to do anything because I'm not bragging. I, I regret some of the things it. I did in the early 90s. But I come to the conclusion that whoever says that uh, a hypnotist can't make you do anything you don't want to do is bollocks. Because hmm. there are certain people I believe now that I've worked with that would do anything you suggested. Anything. Yeah. Even, you know, uh, I, I believe, yes, from what I've experienced, that it is possible to, to create a Mancunian candidate. Piece yeah. of piss. Totally. Just about creating the right atmosphere, motivations. Yeah. You change somebody's reality. And, and, and you can get... You can get them to do things that they believe will be for the the, the better good. So, so I'm going off on one. Inside, this is how these shows go, if you've seen any of the others. Yeah. 
We've come talk therapy. We've talked stage a bit, but yeah, well, this is still on, on on stage. What 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 do you make of all all the? Fortunately, you know you're one of the good guys, and there's more and more of them these days. Thank God, Dave Ross, a nice guy, Christian, Te- people who actually talk to each other, people who will, yeah. if. You know, if they're not doing anything else, perhaps go and see each other's show, go for a beer afterwards. Yeah. You know, actually be human beings. But there's, there's, there's a, there's no names mentioned, but there's an, a, a, an element of a few fuckwits who, who, who just bitch and spend their lives going on about oh well you know nick my material i'll break your legs now i'm not saying it's right to nick people's material it's not at least put some variation or change to it but it's just ironic when certain individuals themselves are doing um practically word for word action for action routine for routine even with the one-liner jokes robert halpin's show and there's video evidence to prove it. It just, I mean, what do you mean? It's just nonsense, isn't it? There's some footwits in this business. Yeah, they tend to be keyboard warriors, Alex. Uh, the majority, yeah. There's some dangerous idiots out there as well, though, as we both know. Uh, yeah. I don't mean dangerous as hypnotists. Um, just potentially unbalanced. Uh, it, it's sad because, I mean, that we're going back to sick mind Freud again, but he... He's one of the people attributed to say, um, saying that quite often a therapist is merely, and I'm saying therapist rather than stage hypnotist, but I think it applies. It's quite often a person who's actually searching for answers to their own problems. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who, other than yourself, you're not allowed to give yourself as the answer here, okay? okay. Who, other than yourself, do you? You know, if you had to like pick through, and it could be from anywhere in the world. Yeah. Who do who do you? I suppose the word these days for the young hip ones listening to podcasts would be who do you rate? Who who do you rate stage hypnosis wise? And the dogs are barking. Sorry. That's all right. And I've just shut the door. The dogs are barking. All right. It's real world here on Hypnosis Week. <laughs> the dogs are barking. Sorry, say that again, Alex. Yeah, who, <laughs> stage hypnosis-wise, anywhere it can be from anywhere in the world, who do you enjoy? Who do you rate as a stage hypnosis performer? Uh, well, I'm, living or dead. But this, I've seen Doc Strange's act, and that's very good. Yeah, I've seen Christian's act, very good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sort of very slick. I, I like Doc's act. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I, I, lo- I love the suggestion, even though it's quite clearly he's taking the piss, which is rare. Who do you reckon? I said when I interviewed him, as I said, just even though it's obviously a joke, the white coat does have a powerful, subliminal, suggestive <laughs> effect. <laughs> yeah. So anyone watching, if you go through past episodes, you'll find the interview with Christian. What do you think the future of stage hypnosis is? Because to be honest, I personally, certainly in England at least, I would say, what, within the next 10, 20 years maximum, hypnosis shows will be 
rare as rocking horse shit because as reality TV gets more and more ridiculous and social media platforms, people are publishing more and more ridiculous stuff that they're doing without being apparently hypnotized, that any apparent entertainment value of hypnosis will have been blown out of the window because people will just look at it and go, everyone's doing that shit on TikTok and YouTube and anyway, hypnosis isn't required, it's nonsense. I, you know, because we're practically living in a freak show. Well, yeah, um, you look, when Paul McKenna uh, became popular in the early 90s, late 80s, the stage hypnosis show was, was I, w- I wouldn't say dead on the ground then, but it, it was very thin on the ground then, wasn't it? It's when Paul McKenna sort of resurrected it and, and became popular on television that hypnotists were everywhere. So, so I reckon there will be a lull and sometime in the future it will resurrect itself again. Even though there's, there's reality shows, but there's nothing more funnier than sitting in a room watching your friends do stupid antics that, that you believe they would do normally. Hmm. That's, that's the essence of a stage hypnosis show. All these members watching their friends doing things that they, they thought they would never do. It's Because there's a difference watching strangers being daft on the television than seeing your friends or family do it. Yeah. Um, although to somebody, those strangers on the television are family and friends. Yeah. That's yeah. The, yeah, that's the Bizarre oxymoron. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to mention it. We were saying about TV, with most of it looks fake. I've got to say, in the past, I think it was last week, uh, Richard Barker, who originally British, but he's out living in Florida, he bought live the trailer for a show called Alternate Reality. Okay. And the concept is that each week uh, the volunteers are hypnotised, uh, but led to believe that they go to an alternate reality. So on the trailer, they're led to believe that they're doing the first man mission to Mars. Yeah. And the, all of the routines for the show are about exploring Mars and all this, so it's got a storyline. But these people have applied, or at least it's put across that way, that they think they are going on a mission to Mars... It's, so they think they're taking, they're applying for a reality show, but then it becomes hypnosis, but then it becomes the reality they thought it was. Yeah. But if you if you if you have a look, um, just I'll I'll send you the link after. I've got to say, yeah. it is the best hypnosis show trailer for a state for a TV format. Yeah. That I've seen since. McKenna and I suspect I know it's going to be shown in America at some point don't know when but I I know that the company that made it have got it up to try and sell it worldwide I've got a funny feeling that Richard is going to be the first uh, stage hypnotist to get a show sold properly worldwide and before people come back at me and say Paul McKenna did that Andrew Newton did that I mean since the 90s i think he's going to be the first one to properly get it worldwide with something that comes across as 
credible because in the trailer and in the show they're actually making a point of showing it's not just as simple as doing that they're showing they've gone through suggestibility processes they're showing they've had to go through conditioning yeah. they're actually showing that now and again he has to step in re-hypnotize them and give them suggestions again that it doesn't always one million percent work so it's more honest and i think that that will go worldwide and i think all of us worldwide, England, around the world, uh, there'll be that core of people we mentioned before that will probably slag it off because they're jealous uh, yeah. of Richard Barker. But I think the majority of us are actually have to raise a glass to him because I think it's yeah. going to make us all a lot busier again. I think it's actually going to... Yeah, because that, that's what made us busy in the early 90s, Paul McKenna. Yeah. Yeah, it's so you know I don't I don't, don't I don't get all the bitchiness in in, in unnecessarily in 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 the industry, um, and these particular people they won't you know they will not dream of teaching people stage hypnosis, uh, most of them, um, probably because they're scared of competition. Whereas I know I you and you you actually will actively teach people. And yeah. help encourage them in their careers. Yeah. Because you do stage training as well, don't you? People yeah. look at the links below the video and you'll see the websites and stuff. But yeah. Oh, I, I saw you you interviewed uh, the singing hypnotist, didn't you? Yeah, Christopher Green. Green, Green? yeah. And that, uh, because I remember and you were him saying that they, they were only the, the only singing hypnotist, but uh, I'm sure I've come across a hypno Elvis. Yeah, um, Sean, 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 Sean. Guy Normus. Guy Normus, yeah. Yeah. He did hypno Elvis, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, well, years ago, there was Pat Collins in America. She was uh, singing hypnotist. Yeah. Um, and actually, somebody I taught in the 90s, Anthony... Sherman, he's not doing hypnosis shows now, but he, he used to do the music on his guitar and sing for the routines and stuff and use <laughs> the tagline, the original song and trance show. So, yeah, there's nothing new under the sun, really, is there? Well, that, well, that, that, that should be the motto of hypnosis. There's, no, there's nothing new under the sun. Go go and read the old books. Well, exactly. The, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's in all areas. Um, hypnot stage hypnosis-wise, you go and get a book like Stage Hypnosis, Professor Leonardo. That's just one example from 1918. And although the rubber hadn't been invented then, to the best of my knowledge, uh, the rubber noses sketch is in there, albeit that he's talking about your nose starts to feel strange and you are able to pull it and stretch it. There's no mention of rubber because rubber hadn't been invented. But arguably, that's the rubber nosey sketch. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and in that book, he talks about, you know, people believing that they become a member of high society and a person of the year is mentioned. Well, that's the turning somebody into somebody famous sketch. Yeah. It's all there. And therapy-wise, all these fancy names are coming up with for stuff now. They're all in old books on mesmerism and stuff. Yeah, I, I was in... A second-hand bookshop in North Wales, Colwyn Bay, and I was looking for books on photography. 
because I, I, I'm a bit of a photographer too. And stuff behind the shelf, yeah? In the photography section, stuff behind the shelf was a green gold leaf book, yeah? And, and it was it was a course in mesmerism and hypnotism. Excellent. In, in 19 or 18 something. And I found it, I found it in the uh, photography section, stuff behind the back of the shelf. And, and, and that's one, one of the best books. Yeah, I find that the old books have got pure golding. And if you yeah. want to hide a secret, stick it in a book, because especially if it's an old one, because people don't tend to, majority of people don't do the research. No, uh, they don't. No. Which is bizarre. We're running out of time. Um, right, so Alex. Gonna, we've covered stage, we've covered therapy. Um, everyone watching or listening, please do check out the links below. There will be links to uh, Ray's social media, to his website, Electrical Training, and Ray Ronson um, stage hypnosis shows. Check out his courses. He does do uh, uh, Dave Alman focused uh, therapy training courses for those that would like to explore those um, that kind of approach more. So I'm going to leave you with the question that I ask everybody uh, every week or few days as it's been in the lockdown, because I'm doing more of these while we're all stuck at home. And that is what what do you think the most important thing is for And you can answer this however you want, whether it's from a stage perspective, therapy perspective or both. What do you think the most important thing is for viewers and listeners to remember and focus on in order to have the best chance of increasing their success in, as a hypnotist? Right. Uh, just eliminate fear. Okay. Because, you know, uh, I know performers that will, uh, that, that can perform in front of a crowd of people and they can't perform in front of people they know. Mm-hmm. I, I know I know professional musicians that uh that, that quake in the boots when they're performing in front of their family. Right. Basically, just lose the fear and go for it, and don't be frightened to fail. Because uh, just put it behind you. Uh, don't dwell on it, and just move on to your next show. So the fact is, I mean, I believe everyone yeah. fails at some point. Yeah. Also, also, I'm, I'm, I might be saying this tongue in cheek. God. Make sure you've got insurance and make sure you've got a good lawyer. Yeah. Well, in the compensation culture that we we live in, yeah. I've like, been. Through- yeah. People who make things up. You know what? That was supposed to be the last question, but I want to ask you one more because I forgot to. Um, publicity can help immensely. And, and there's two, 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 two publicity elements that you've been linked to in the past that um, particularly memorably stick in my mind. One is, and people can go and search on YouTube, I believe, for, the, for Ray Ronson, uh on the sharon osborne show yeah one is the a number of years back you did and it seems to be happening now during the covid crisis people have started doing virtual holidays with yes, hypnosis well was when doing... was it you did that you did it on the sharon osborne show didn't you years ago, yeah i come up with that years ago 
years and years ago, and you got major UK national media coverage. Yeah, full page in the Sunday People. Yeah. So again, there's nothing new. Ray had done it bloody years back. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody did it before me either. Exactly. Things get recycled, don't they? Yeah, well, especially by journalists. And then the other one that, that you, I don't know how involved you were, but it said that you taught them and the individual was practicing their hypnotic stare was uh, someone I believe they were for they were working at the time with um, Dr. Hayes, Jerry Cottle's Circus of Horrors. The sword swallower. And go on, relate the tale for people who don't know. You can fact, this made national media publicity as well. Well, um, the sword swallower from the Circus of Horrors came to one of my seminars and uh, he went home and apparently he, he was practicing in front of a mirror and allegedly, apparently, he hypnotized himself and he was stuck in his trance, allegedly. Mm-hmm. And that, they had to phone me and so I could get him out of the trance. Excellent publicity. Yeah, we did that. Um, oh God, we did look. That got low, on loads of television abroad. It, it went everywhere, yeah. So, you know, search for the this thing, per, person gets stuck in trance and, and link Ray's name, Ray Ross. You'll see it did get big coverage, and coverage can lead to raised awareness, which can lead yeah. to increased bookings uh, and, and whatnot. So it's something to bear in mind. Yeah, I, I love the way you've kept throwing in the word allegedly there and, and such like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, he, he came on, on, on one of our residential courses Really nice bloke, him and his wife. Uh, his wife works there. She's a, 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 a field artist, or a, she's she's one of the artists anyway in mm-hmm. the Circus of Horrors, which is a very good show. Yeah, yeah, it is. Doc, Doc, you know, yeah, Doctor A's, yeah. So yeah, cracking show. Well, thank you ever so much. We've gone, we've gone to nearly an hour and a half. Uh, so people at home, as I always say, it may seem like we've just had a casual chat. I say this every time, but if you get a notepad and a pen and watch this again or listen to it again, if you're on the audio podcast platform and take notes and pay attention, you will actually realize that within the past 90 minutes, there is a hell of a lot of very relevant, very useful real world advice and insights from someone who's been in this industry for decades in both the entertainment and therapeutic arena with considerable success. Uh, so please, you know, do go over it again uh, and look. And there are, as always, uh, nuggets to be found. Thank you so much for your time, Ray. Thank you. Send my best to Maureen. How are you? Okay, yep. She's uh, just gone back to work in her office because she was a... Uh, she was on lockdown. She's she's working from home, but she's gone back to the office now. Because oh. I I just, uh, just recently had a triple heart bypass, so I'm sort of recovering. Well, uh, fortunately, the key word there is that you are recovering. Yes. Um, and hopefully, it won't be too long before this nonsense allows you to get no. back to doing shows and stuff. Because that's going to be a funny one, isn't it? In fact, you know, yes. it's twelfth of June, twenty twenty. We're starting in England, I believe, you know, next week more shops are going to open. But from what I'm hearing at the moment, it's not going to be until around maybe September, October time before 
some theatres reopen, but then it's going to be on like a third capacity because of the social distance seating yeah, and stuff. People in America are listening. This might be confusing, but Scotland, England, and Wales have got different lockdown rules. Yeah, well, yeah, just to uh, complicate matters, yeah. I don't, when we, you know, and if the social distancing brainwashing, because there's evidence out there that two metre gap isn't required, other people say it's a metre, the fact is both of them are nonsense. From the medical people I've spoken to, if somebody sneezes, uh, it can travel somewhat daft like 26 foot, the, 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 content of a sneeze so which you might argue is the reason to have the mask but then again experts out there saying that you know the masks is like in some cases the it's not what you sneeze out it's what's within it and that most of these masks that are available to us the general public is like trying to stop a pee get through a chain link fence yeah um nonsense but in terms of us doing stage hypnosis shows how do you think that's going to work i think that would be uh it's going to be as daft as the, the yellow line at the edge of the stage. Remember, it had, it had to be yellow, didn't it, the line? Yeah, which, which, <laughs> which, which, which is fine until you get a yellow stage and then you can't see the line. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that? Uh, oh, we got to have a yellow line. Yeah. And we can't go, go across it. What, we go, what do you reckon we're going to have to do? Literally seat people, several... You know, instead of having 12 chairs, we're going to have to have, like, maybe five chairs maximum so we can have enough gap between each chair of the people on stage for social distancing. I reckon, I reckon after, after a while with social distancing, it'll, it'll just fade itself out, you know, as people get fed up of it. I, I, I would like to think that. It's just it's continual media propaganda and campaign. I think a lot of people are actually getting fear instilled into them unnecessarily and that that will perhaps remain for, yeah, I'm sure it will die off sooner or later, but I think it could be a matter of like a year or or, 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 or so before things get close to being normal again. Because the same people, some people are saying in Wales, the pubs won't be until next year. But I mean, there's lots of things uh, going round, but you, now you, you don't know what's true and what's not. Mm, till it actually happens. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of things. Be careful what you believe, because it can be the difference to... That's right. That's right. Being hypnotised by the big hypnotist in the corner of the room. <laughs> and with that thought, I'll tell you one more time, check out the links below. And keep an eye out for the next edition of Hypnosis Week. Thank you very much indeed, Ray. Thanks a lot. Take care now. Ta-da. You too.